Hello and welcome once again to Alpha Omega International and welcome to all of you who are joining us here on YouTube. As you know, for the past several weeks, we've gone through the Sermon on the Mount and we're actually moving out of Matthew chapter 5 now and into Matthew chapter 6. And I think now, throughout the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to skip around a little bit, jump around just a little. And so today we are going to focus on prayer. This sermon today is titled, The Gift of Prayer. But let's begin today by reading the scripture verses that come from Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to read today from verse 5 to 8. Here's what Jesus says. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. Amen. Once again, we're considering the topic of prayer. Today's message, the gift of prayer. Now, in these verses that begin in chapter 6, Jesus is going to talk about three things as part of the worship of the Christian life. He'll talk about giving, like doing good things for others, giving charitable things to others. He talks about prayer, as he did in these verses, and he also talks about fasting. And one thing I want you to notice about three of these things, all three of them, is that there are common things Jesus says over and over again, whether it's concerning giving, praying, or fasting. And the three things that we see in common with these things are, number one, he says, when you give or do a charitable deed, or when you pray, when you fast. In other words, he doesn't say, if you give, if you pray, or if you fast. No, but when you do these things. You see, because Jesus is assuming that in our Christian walk, in our relationship with the Lord, these things will be a part of our worship life. We will give, we will pray, we will fast. When you pray is what Jesus says for our message here today. Another word that shows up in all three of these teachings about giving, praying, and fasting is the word hypocrite. The word hypocrite comes from a Greek word that literally means an actor. Someone who plays a part on stage in the Greek theater. In other words, they pretend to be something that they're really not. And Jesus is going to point out many people, when they give, they're not doing it from a right heart. They're doing it to cast a mask or, or to put on a mask and, and to cast forth an image that's not really there. Or when people pray or when people fast, it's not genuine. They're putting on an act. And the other thing that shows up in all three of these teachings about giving, praying, and fasting is that not only were they acting in these religious ways, but they did what they did to be seen by men. That's a phrase you find, seen by men. They weren't doing this for the Lord. 
They weren't doing this out of a pure heart and worship of Him. They were doing it so that people would see them do it and praise them for it. Jesus also says in each of these teachings, He, he shows what religious people act like. But then He says, but you, when you give, but you, when you pray, or but you, when you fast. And so Jesus wants to draw a clear distinction between those who are just putting on an act, trying to appear to be holy or in a right relationship with God, and those who truly do have a right relationship, who love the Lord, who follow Him, and have a genuine worship of God. Today we're going to focus on prayer, the gift of prayer. And as we consider prayer, I'm sure we all as Christians, we know that prayer is an, is an important thing in our life. But so often do we neglect prayer. Well, today, as we consider this topic of prayer, as we look over the verses where Jesus teaches us and begins to teach us about prayer, I just want to show you three things that come to my mind when I read what Jesus says here. I want to talk about prayer and in it what amazes me about the Lord. Number two, what draws me to prayer. And number three, what comforts me. So in prayer, at least in my point of view, what amazes me, what draws me, and what comforts me in this life of prayer that the Lord has given to us. So let's begin. Number one, I want this to discuss what amazes me about prayer. Matthew chapter 6, at verse 5, in the very beginning, Jesus says, And when you pray. And we'll just stop right there. What amazes me about prayer is the actual word, pray. Or the actual word, prayer, as is used in the New Testament. The Greek word for prayer is prosukomai. And it's built upon two words as its foundation. It's pros and ukamai. Now, ukamai, it, it means to just simply communicate, to let your requests be made known to God, to ask Him things, to tell Him things. It's in that speech, the, the, the conversation part of our prayer life. Pros, the beginning of that word, prosukamai, the word pros actually means to be face-to-face -face as we are speaking to God. It's a wonderful word, pros. It's what John uses in the Gospel of John. In the very first chapter, verse 1, John says, In the beginning was the Word. He's speaking about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now in that verse, John is, of course, teaching us the deity of Jesus Christ, that He is the second person of the triune God. But He's also teaching us something else about the fellowship, and the communion, and the unity from eternity past within the Godhead. It says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And that word with is what we find in prayer, pros. There are some commentators that have translated that verse to say it like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was face to face with God. That word pros, it describes to us from all eternity past the intimate beautiful, most glorious and holy communion between Father and Son and Holy Spirit. 
And so I believe this word prayer is not only we're just talking to God, letting our, our words fly out somewhere and hopefully God catches them and listens to them. No, this communication we have with God is a face-to-face -face communication. This is what Jesus has given to us. That same fellowship that he has known with the Father, he gives it to us as a gift when we pray. We are face-to-face -face with God. And when we pray, we pray through the Holy Spirit. So we're brought into that fellowship of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are face-to-face -face when we pray. Christian, would your prayer life change in any way if you thought of it in that way? That when you speak to God, you speak to Him face-to-face. -face. Would you pray more often? Would your prayers be more intense? Would your prayer be a more worshipful time? Or would you recognize the holy moment that prayer really is? Knowing that we come before God face-to-face -face when we speak to Him. Face-to-face. -face. It doesn't get any closer than that. I think that's why the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Come boldly to the throne of grace. And he wasn't kidding. Because when we pray, we approach the one who sits on the throne. And when we speak, we speak face to face with that God of all the world. Sit, sitting on that throne. Would your prayer life change in any way if you thought of it in that way? Also, when you pray, if you consider that you're speaking face to face with God, would it change your faith behind the words that you speak? Do you think your faith would become greater if you knew that you're speaking right before the face of God at His throne when you pray? When we pray, we are speaking to the God of creation, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We are praying to Jehovah who heals and who delivers. He is the Savior who redeems and forgives and cleanses us and restores. And as Jesus said about God, with God, all things are possible. Oh, if only we could come to that realization that when we pray, we are face to face with Almighty God and knowing, believing He can do all things. Oh, I think that would change our prayer life indeed. There's a man that I know who has a, a wife and now a young daughter. And this man knew at the Christian life knew at the, at the life of prayer, knew at gathering his family together to have prayer every day. He said to me one time that in the morning before he goes to work, they just made it a habit. Husband and wife get together with their little daughter, and he said, we just say a small prayer. And we ask for God's guidance for the day, his protection, his leading, his blessing, and then I go on my way to work. And when I heard about that, I thought, well, that's wonderful. First of all, it's wonderful that this Christian man may be new to the prayer life, but he's doing it exactly right. And he's teaching his wife and daughter the importance of prayer. But what I also remember was hearing those words, small prayer. And I know what he meant by that. It's just a few words. It might not only, it might take 
30 seconds or 45 seconds in the morning. It might seem like a small prayer, but considering he is speaking to God face to face in that moment, there's no such thing as a small prayer. We pray to a big God who can do big things and we can trust in him. No such thing as a small prayer when we realize who it is we speak to. It amazes me that God would give us such a gift as prayer. It amazes me that he cares so much to be so close to us in times of weakness, pain, or trouble. I'm so glad that God is not just a distant God somewhere out there. He is close at hand, especially when we bow before him, close our eyes, and we begin to pray face to face. Second thing, what draws me in prayer? Look what Jesus says in verse 5 and 6. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. The religious actors, they love to pray in the public, standing in the synagogues for all the congregation to hear, standing in the busy street corner so passers-by would say, wow, now that must be a very religious man. They do what they do to be seen by men. Now for them, it is a moment of worship, absolutely, but it's worshiping themselves, actually. Jesus said, they seek the applause of men, and you know what? They have it. If that's what they're looking for, to be congratulated by other men that they're so good at their prayers, then there's a reward. If that's what they want, there it is, and they're not going to get anything after it. If they're looking for the praises of men, there it is. They have their reward. And then Jesus says, but you. I love that. He's making a distinction between the Pharisees, the, the religious elite of Judaism. He's making a, a distinction between them and these simple men, his disciples that are listening to him, and all the other crowd of people that are there as well. They're not part of the elite. They're not rich. They're not wealthy. They're not powerful. They're just simple, ordinary people. And Jesus says to them, but you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. In other words, get alone with God. Now, it doesn't mean that there must be a room that's designated for prayer in your house and that's the only place you can pray and you've got to shut the door and get inside and be by yourself. If you have that, wonderful. But Jesus is teaching us the importance of getting alone with God, wherever that might be. Have that place that no one else knows about. Now, you know, when I think about that, that can actually be a physical, real place, or it can be a spiritual place. It could be if it's a real place, like in my own home, I, I have a home office, and I'm thankful for that. 
Because early in the morning before anybody else is up, that's my time to be with the Lord. No distractions. As the day goes by and the kids are up and they're doing school at home and, and the other distractions of everyday life, then I put on my running shoes and I go outside and I begin to just walk around the neighborhood. That becomes my secret place. Wherever I can go to just be alone with God. It's needed. It's necessary. But if it's not a physical place, it can also be a spiritual place. Like when you're in the midst of work or school, or you're in the midst of an emergency or, or some sort of situation, all the while you can be speaking to God from your heart and asking Him for help, asking Him for wisdom. Nobody has any idea that you're talking with God. It's happening in your heart or in your mind. They don't know it, but you're in a secret place. Even in the midst of your situation, you found that secret place where it's you and God and you're trusting in Him to help you through. I believe we need those secret places. God is there in that secret place. And it's from there that He invites us in. And this is what draws me in prayer. It's the fact that the Lord cares for me so much and He wants me to be with Him. And He constantly invites me in throughout all the situations of life. And that invitation, it draws me to go to where He is and find Him in that place. Sometimes that secret place, it can be found right in the midst of trouble or in the midst of our need. God is there and He wants us to commune with Him there. It's what Joseph learned. Do you remember back in Genesis when Joseph was sent off into Egypt as a slave, eventually falsely accused of, uh, of attacking a woman, and then they threw him into a dungeon. And there he is, perhaps in his own area of the dungeon. It's dark, it's dirty, and who knows how long he's going to be there. It's where people go perhaps to be forgotten. And I love how the Holy Spirit words this in Genesis. According to the Holy Spirit, it just simply says, Now Joseph was in prison, but the Lord was with Joseph. Even in that prison where people go to be forgotten. In fact, he was forgotten for a while, wasn't he? But even in that place, as dark and dirty as it was, God was there with him. And Joseph had a secret place right in the midst of his imprisonment. He trusted in God. And we know the rest of the story. I also think about Hagar, the maidservant of Sarah. After certain events had taken place, Hagar was just so hurt within her heart. Sarah had mistreated her. And Hagar's response was to just get out and run. And she did. She ran a long way. She was afraid. And she was all alone. And she came to a well. And the Bible says that the Lord saw her. And he found her. And the Lord went to her and he said, Hagar, where have you come from? Where are you going? And in that moment, Hagar, at that well, suddenly realized it was that secret place where she met with God. God comforted her, encouraged her, and sent her back home. But before she went back home, Hagar gave God a new name. She said, you are the God who sees me. That's what Hagar realized in the secret place. God is always watching me. 
He sees what I go through. And in my greatest hour of need, there he is. In the midst of my running, in the midst of my loneliness, there he is. In the dungeon, at the well, we can have a secret place with God. Praise the Lord. Now for me, where my secret place, it may be in my home office. Sometimes it's walking around the neighborhood. But I also know what it's like to be at work. My mind on certain things happening in my life that I know I need God's help with. And while I'm doing my work, I'm able to seek God in my mind and in my heart and ask Him for help. That's a secret place. I also remember times of like when my daughter was in the emergency room at the hospital. That emergency room became my secret place where from my heart I called upon God for help. And He heard me. And how many times in the car? I don't know about you, but that's probably one of the places where I talk to God the most while I'm driving or while I'm just in a car. I love to pray. I love to just sort of share my heart with the Lord. I love to sing in the car. I love to be with Him. The secret place can be anywhere in the world at any point of life. And in that secret place where God is, wherever it may be, I don't need a priest. I don't need another minister. I don't need a friend to sort of go before me, talk to God for me, and then tell me what God says. You know, that's what the Israelites did with God. And when they were at Mount Sinai in the book of Exodus, they were too afraid to approach God and to hear Him. So they said to Moses, you go, you go talk to God and then tell us what He said. That's not the relationship we have with God today. God invites you and He invites me, just me, to come into His presence for you to come boldly, even by yourself, into His presence and speak with Him and pour out all that's in your mind, all that's in your heart. I'm invited, and so are you. Now, not all prayer is to be a private matter, because there are times where prayer is a public thing. Like my friend who prays with his family. That's something that we should all do. Husbands and wives, fathers, mothers, we should all be spending time daily praying with each other. We also learn from church to pray as a congregation before God, a wonderful time of worship. And there are times where you may be led to pray for someone, and maybe you gather around somebody who needs prayer for, for healing or for deliverance or salvation. And in those moments, we pray in public. But these prayers of the public view should grow out of a private prayer life. I think the more that we pray in private, we will know how to pray in public. Jesus says, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, what's that reward that God gives? Well, first of all, while many religious people pray to receive the praises of men, we pray to receive an answer from God. And that answer is a reward for our prayer, praise God. But also, secondly, I believe the Lord teaches us during our private prayer time to know how to pray for others. 
and to be sensitive to a person's needs. He teaches us in those moments of private prayer to have a mind of humility when we pray for somebody else. And I also believe that in private prayer time, God builds up our faith. He helps us to give us the faith to believe with someone else that God can do a miracle in their life. When you learn to pray in private, God will help you pray in the public setting. And so how important is it for many reasons to find that secret place with God, wherever it is, being welcomed by His invitation to be drawn to Him and seek Him in prayer. So number one, when I think about the topic of prayer, I think about how God amazes me in prayer. I also think about how I am drawn in prayer. Last, number three, I want to share what comforts me in prayer. And for this, we look at the last verses of what Jesus says here. Verse 7 and 8. And when you pray, again, when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. Again, even today, there are many religious people that think they gain God's attention because they say the same prayers over and over again, just repeating the same words over and over again, or because they use such high, eloquent language that somehow God will be drawn to what they're saying. He will turn his ear toward them because of such beautiful language. When I hear about this, I think sometimes, what if my kids felt that way about me? What if my kids approaching me who were in need of something felt like they had to come before me and start repeating something over and over and over again? or had to somehow perform something for me that I will listen to what they say. If my kids thought they had to do that with me, then I would question what kind of a relationship do I have with my children. That's not how a father should be toward his kids. And kids should not feel that way toward their parents. Sometimes I think the older we get as Christians, even the more we read the Bible, the more we experience God, sometimes I believe that we think we need to impress God in order for Him to hear us and in order for Him to answer our prayer. Maybe sometimes we think that we can only pray after we've read a certain portion of Scripture. We've got to do something good and then pray for God to listen to us. Or the more we learn Scripture, we've got to make sure we quote Scripture in our prayers to God. Whatever the case may be, I think a lot of times as we get older, we think we have to explain to God what it is exactly we need. We need to tell Him how to answer the prayer. We, we can give Him advice. We try to tell Him how to do different things, and, and hopefully then He'll get it. Then He'll know what to do, and if we're good enough, He'll answer the prayer. <laughs> but then we learn, at least I do, from my own kids, you know, sometimes if I am sick or in pain, or sometimes I'm, I'm going somewhere for ministry purposes for 
a counseling session or something like that. I love it when my kids, any one of them, say, Dad, do you want me to pray for you? I say, oh, yes, please. Do you know why? Because when my kids pray, if it's for sickness or if it's for helping me to have wisdom to know what to say to somebody who needs counseling, their prayers are just so simple and basic. They get right to the point. God, my father needs to be healed. Please heal him in Jesus' name. Amen. God, my father is about to visit so-and-so. Please help him and give him wisdom to know what to say and how to say it. Done. They don't go through all these different things. They just trust that God hears and they just come to him as a child comes to their own parent and says, Lord, here's what I need and I believe in you for the answer. Sometimes when I pray for myself or for something else, I go on and on and on. And sometimes as I'm praying, I think to myself, what am I doing? God, do I really think I'm going to impress you with all my knowledge of scripture or with all my eloquent speech? I think we need to learn from our children who come to God in just such a simple way and they ask him simply and they believe that he can do all things. That is a wonderful prayer. And that's how we need to learn to pray. Not to try to impress God, but to just come to Him and trust in Him. I am comforted by the fact that God still hears and answers even our most simple prayers. And I'm glad, so glad, that God does not require me to perform something in order for Him to listen to me. Because if that were the case, who would God ever listen to? What could any of us ever do to gain the attention of Almighty God? No, prayer is a gift, a gift of mercy, of compassion, kindness, and grace. It's a gift given to all of us, and we need to learn to experience that life of prayer. And the last thing I am comforted by is the very last thing that Jesus says in this verse. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. Whatever you're going through today, whatever pain it might be, whatever struggle or trial you're going through, God already knows. He already knows what you've been through. He knows where you are today. He also knows what's coming ahead. He sees the things that you don't even see yet. God is always watching you. He always sees. He always knows what you need even before you lift your voice and ask Him for it. That's a God who cares. That's a, a God who loves us. And let me just give you an example about how this became very real in my own life. Several years ago, I was working at a, at a certain company that wasn't doing well. And this company was about to close down, which would mean I was going to lose my salary, of course, lose my job, lose my health benefits. At the same time, my wife was expecting our second daughter and it was a real scary time for me. And I often prayed that God would help me find somewhere to go, a new job with good benefits and good pay. That way I can continue to provide for my family. I went to many interviews. I sent out so many resumes and every door was shut. And one day I was in this place where I was working at the time, just walking around and asking God for help. And it just 
brought me to tears because it was becoming an emergency. This place was closing in a matter of days and I needed something, somewhere to go. And as I prayed and just asked God to please open the way, open the door, help me, Lord. As I prayed those words, walking around, finding that secret place in my own place of work, suddenly the phone rang. And so I picked up the phone and I answered it as I normally would at that office. And on the other end of the line was a woman calling from a bank. And she said, I was just reviewing your resume. We're very interested. We want you to come in for an interview. Is that okay with you? <laughs> I said, absolutely. You know, that phone call led to one interview, which led into my career for the next 10 years. God provided everything we needed from having a job, supplying the salary, and full benefits for all my family, not just for my first two daughters, but also for the number three and number four daughter that came along afterward. But in that moment, when I hung up the phone, I thought to myself, not only was I thanking God for this new opportunity, here it is, the answer to my prayer, but then I started thinking, God, how did you just do this? I mean, when I just prayed right now, did you somehow tap on the shoulder of this woman who works for human resources at this bank? Did you, did you direct her mind to look at my resume and suddenly stir up her heart to call me? Is that what you did? I, 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 I can't imagine it being like that. Or, God, did you know before this company decided to close down that I would need a new job? And if that's true, God, did you know before I even had this job that one day I would need a new job. And God, if I keep thinking about this, I can go back further. Because if you knew it then, then you knew it before I was even born. That one day, I would, your child, I would need a job. I would have this great need in my life. And you already put into motion not only the thoughts of what I would need, but you put into motion how to supply my need. And oh God, I can go back even further than that. What about before the world was created? You're omniscient. You know all things that are coming in the future. You knew that I would exist. You knew I would be your child in life. And you knew I would have a need. God, could it be that even before the beginning of time, you knew me, you knew my need, and you already thought of me and how to answer my prayer. And you timed it in such a way that the moment I cried out in desperation, when it seemed as though there was no more that could be done, then you planned. You planned all of this to work out for my good. Lord, is that what you did? And if that is what you did, then, oh God, how much do you love me? Brother and sister, that is true. God does love us with that kind of love, always thinking of us, always aware of what's going on in our life. And before we even voice to Him what we need, He already knows it. And so many times, He's already answering the prayer that we haven't even made yet. Oh, what a mighty, wonderful, loving God we serve. And when I think of this, I am so comforted by this life of prayer He has given to us. Now, some might say, well, if that's true, God was, God was already going to answer the prayer before you even prayed it. Well, then 
Why pray at all? <laughs> you may have heard that kind of question before. It's because prayer, when we pray, prayer teaches us to trust in the Lord. Prayer is our way of showing God that we trust in Him and that we need Him on a daily basis. And prayer is what prepares us for the answer God's going to give. Whether He does things the way we thought or not, prayer, the Holy Spirit, prepares us through our prayer life to receive what God is going to do. And prayer also builds our faith in Him and in all that He does in our life. Prayer is a great place of preparation for all that God wants to do in our life. And prayer is simply the wonderful enjoyment of being in the presence of God. Why pray? Because in that moment, I am face to face with my God, with my Creator, and with my Savior. And there is no other place I'd rather be than right there at His throne, face to face with Him. Amen. What a wonderful gift God has given to us, the gift of prayer. And oh, how the Lord amazes us and draws us and comforts us through it. May God bless you and keep you. May God cause His face to shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. And may our God draw you to that secret place that you would be amazed at that communion with Him and that you will be led into His presence on a day-to-day -day basis and be comforted by His wonderful hand upon your life. Until next time, God bless you.